0: What's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom. That was an impromptu little music intro. (laughs) That's my song right now, man. Just that awesome little kid, man. I don't even know if that video or that video of that kid was from years and years ago. I think I've seen some more updated pictures of him. And I think he's a little bit older now. And obviously that song was remixed and it's my son Hap's favorite song right now. And I love it because... It's talking about just having joy in all circumstances. Lord, thank you for sunshine. Thank you for rain. Thank you for joy. Thank you for pain. It's a beautiful day. Yay, 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 yay. So, welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom um, where you guys send in your questions to podcast at michaelchaylor.com um, and we go a little bit deeper. Uh, We ask the hard-hitting questions, the emotional questions, the deep questions. Some of them are anonymous. Some of them have names and cities and where where y'all are from. Don't be afraid to to leave it anonymous if it's something very personal. And uh, send them into podcast at michaelchannel.com. But um, today is a beautiful day. Nice cold day here in Nashville. Um, The trees have ice on them. Hap didn't have school today, so he went to work out with me. So it is a beautiful day. Um, But let's start right off. I hope you all are having a wonderful day. And hopefully some of these questions will um, strike a chord and make you think about life a little bit differently and maybe even give you a little bit of help moving in the right direction. First one comes from Matt. Hi, Michael. I hope you're well. I have a question concerning your dedication to your faith. You have always struck me as a true professional and a good man. I've always admired people like yourself and found that those with a dedicate, dedication to faith are good people and role models, and I would put you in those categories. Thank you, Matt. I've recently become more interested in and exposed to religion since my roommate at, a, at college is quite religious and my best friend at six of six years is the same. My question is, how do you dedicate yourself to an ideology such or with such discipline? I feel personally as though I need something to click or something specific to make myself truly believe in a faith's teachings and to invest myself into it, into it in such a way, since I was never raised with any kind of religion or religious influence in my family. See you at the top. Always rooting for you, buddy, Matt. And it's a great question. I was, uh, I was raised Catholic did my first Holy Communion uh, and my confirmation as all Catholics do um, as they are kind of growing in their faith, but it really did feel just like a, a routine, something I had to do. I had to go to PSR on Monday nights, I believe it was, public school religion, every week basically um, kind of growing up, and uh, but it was just that. It was something that I had to do, not not something that I wanted to do and not something that really felt like a relationship with an an entity a relationship with, um, with something of a higher power, if you will. Obviously, I think it's, you know, widely known. I'm a Christian man. Um, follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. Um, and I don't talk about it a ton. You know, I try to live my life by one of my favorite quotes is, um, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I've always been the kind of guy who I am by no means perfect. I'll be the first one to admit that. Um, I have my faults. I have my struggles. I have the things that I that I deal with, that I struggle with, and even my moments of lack of faith, even my mo- moments of not operating in the way that a, that a man of faith would as far as the confident expectancy of the good things happening. Even though I'm 36 years old and I've seen it Time and time again, how God has had me in the palm of his hand through every single season, every single downturn, every single uptick, every single peak, every single valley. And he strategically put people into my life that set me on to the trajectory to where I am. Um, So your question is, how do you dedicate yourself to an ideology? Um, I feel personally as though I need something to click or something specific to make myself truly believe. And one thing that I would say, and it doesn't matter if it's your fitness journey, your business journey, your relationship journey, any of these journeys, if you're waiting for something to click or you're trying to force something to click or you're putting an emphasis on it clicking and you wake up every day wondering, hey, when is this gonna click? When are things gonna turn around? When am I gonna turn that corner? It's Somewhat of a fool's errand because we're all in different seasons at different times. And I'm telling you this right now, even as a Christian man, when I've seen God come through and blow my mind in so many different ways, I still have my moments and my seasons of lack of faith. I still have my worries and my doubts. Well, maybe this is the time God's going to abandon me. Maybe this is the time that it's not going to work out for me. Maybe this is the time that finally um, my faith or lack thereof is going to prove to me that I've been going in the wrong direction this whole time. Uh, and then it continues to be revealed to me that just because there was a closed door and that door remained locked, I looked in another direction and another door opened. So the biggest thing, my biggest, I guess, advice here would be don't try to force anything, keep an open mind. And if you are, you know, you actually didn't talk about any specific religion here. You said religion and religious, um, you know, obviously, I will give you a, I will give you one of my favorite scriptures from from the Christian Bible, and that's James one five. He who lacks wisdom, ask for it, and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. Uh, and so many times in my life, I've had to pray that prayer, ask for wisdom. I have no idea. What is going to happen next? I have no idea how this seem, these seemingly bad circumstances are going to be turned around and turned around in my favor. I have no idea how this is going to work out for my benefit. So I just pray for wisdom. God, just give me the wisdom in this scenario. Give me the wisdom with him, with her, with this thing. And walk through life with open arms saying, this is not... Me, Everything that I have accomplished everything that I have created everything that I have was not of my own volition Yes, I know I work hard as a worldly man me with my two feet on the ground I work hard. I make my own luck I, I have created a life for myself, but it's not without the blessings of a higher power and also a little bit of luck sprinkled in there so Matt, the biggest thing I would say is don't put pressure on yourself. Do continue to surround yourself with, like you said, a friend of six years and your roommate and and those people, if it feels right, continue to dive deeper, continue to, to go head first into it. Maybe you will be disappointed. Maybe you will be, uh, pleasantly surprised. Maybe you will continue to grow and, um, continue to, continue to reach out to us and let us know how the journey is going, but just don't put pressure on yourself because you don't need something to click it will click when it's time to click. It will click when it's time to click. It's not that people don't do the right things, it's that people then don't do the right things for long enough. And if you're waiting for something to click before it's time, it may be premature for that breakthrough to happen, for that season to start for you. But good question, Matt, thank you. Next one comes from David. Hey, Mike, it's David David from Edinburgh, Texas. Shout out to Texas, let's go. I'm literally typing this out in the middle of my college engineering class, but I wanted to ask, who are people that you look up to in life? What a great question. Um, I have so many. I've had so many beautiful, amazing, spectacular people in my life. Start at the very beginning. Mike and Betty Chandler, my mom and dad, taught me how to work, taught me by example what it's like to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, do the right thing. They never needed a lot, never wanted a lot, never asked for a lot. They tried to work for and scrape and claw for every single thing that they had. And they made a a life full of love, security, and safety, and happiness for me and my two brothers underneath our our roof in High Ridge, Missouri. Um, and then we move on into high school wrestling, Ron and Bob Wilhelm the twins from Northwest High School, um, my wrestling coaches, and then my club coaches, Pete Mankiewicz, uh, Donnie Mitchell. I'd say those four guys really shaped me a lot in high school then you move on into college. Um, Brian Smith, my head coach, who I just wanted to wanted to please every single day, which I think was a was a good thing in so many ways. Maybe it was a little bit uh, unhealthy because I got into Mizzou wrestling and became a walk on, and I was the lowest guy on the totem pole. So I just scraped and clawed for that. Uh, I think that validity, um, that validation, that hey, you're good enough to be here. Hey, you're going to be a starter. Hey, here's your black and gold singlet. Um, and so many coaches: Pat McNamara, Donnie Mitchell. I'm oh, sorry, Donnie Mitchell was high school. Uh, Bart Horton, Sean Charles, um, just some amazing guys. My big brothers in, in college: Ben Askren, Tyra Willy, who are who are quite frankly a big reason why I'm why I'm here today because I followed them into mixed martial arts, and then now moving on into my my professional and my my uh, adult life. Longtime mentor, great friend, Chris Patterson. Um, and I've got so many great friends. They're, it's so hard to even um, mention their names, but a few of them. Ed Milet has been a, a huge inspiration of mine and a friend of mine. David Meltzer just did an awesome event with Bedros Koulian, Dan Fleischman. Um, just ran a marathon and did the lift run shoot with Cameron Haynes, a guy who I look at as a another guy who is um, – he's just such an inspiration because he's he's out there doing it. And by it, I mean what he wants to do, living his life unapologetically, authentically who he is. And he has, he's, he's a blueprint and living proof that you can live a life, not trying to create a huge platform and all of a sudden end up with a huge platform. I don't think Cameron Haynes ever asked for this huge platform that he has. Yes. He pulls out the phone and takes videos of himself, lifting weights and running and shooting his bow and hunting. Um, but that was just him living his life, documenting his life, and he's become a, a superstar. Um, in the hunting world and the endurance running world. And there's just so many people uh that that I could name, so many amazing people that I have in my life. Um, probably the most important and the most overwhelming sense of joy that I feel when I get to spend time with this person is my wife. Um, and not just because she is my helpmate, my 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 better half, by far, Um, but also she, she pushes herself. Her and I are so equally yoked when it comes to what we want to accomplish in this life. Um, I've never once put limits on her. She's never once put limits on me. We are we are each other's biggest fan. You know, when you guys see me fighting and I'm down and out in the fourth round and I'm bleeding and I'm huffing and puffing, and I go back to my corner in the metaphoric fight for my life, she's there. She's the one right there looking me in dead in the eyes in the stool, if that makes sense. Um, so those are some people um, that I look up to in life. So David from Edinburgh, Texas, thank you for the question. And with that, philosophically, um, find those people that really make your heart beat, that make you want to be better. Find those people that you're like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to climb to the mountaintops of this guy or that guy and strive to be like them and strive to get in the same room with them by any means necessary. And that's what I've done. And it's worked out well for me thus far. So next one is anonymous. I would like to remain anonymous. You are like like every other human when it comes to bad days. Shout out. I'm assuming you have tough, quote unquote, tough days mentally every now and then. What are some things you do or some positive thoughts that you have to try and turn your day around or bring your mood back up? See you at the top. Great question. I do have bad days. Matter of fact, I was just talking to Connor. Connor's here in the studio with me. Um, and I read him my my meditation this morning from uh I'm pull it out right here. The Daily Stoic. Uh, by Ryan Holiday, so it's got Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, all the, all the Stoics, and it's got 366 meditations. Today, February first, as we uh, as we record this, it was about anger, and Marcus Aurelius was talking about how um, it seems as though a man who can get angry and act out and be loud and be be ferocious and tenacious is um, a good man or a um, a more accomplished man, if you will, but it, actually it's quite the opposite. A man who operates in calmness and peace and humility uh, and tranquility is so much more of a man. So I was just talking to Connor about that. I had a, had somewhat of a rough morning, if you will, um, decent morning until I got to my workout. Workout didn't go that great. Um, and I found myself getting angry, getting upset, getting getting flustered. And then you get done with it and you think, man, I completely botched this one. Marcus Aurelius's teaching this morning was uh, word for word exactly what I did this morning and I acted uh, like a fool. Uh, so today you know coincidentally was somewhat of a tough day but now I have the opportunity to sit here I've already molded over I've already looked at it and said how could I have done things better How could have I how could I have operated in more equanimity and not let? that bad workout or even the bad rep or the warm up or whatever it may be the switch up in the coaches or the or the the programming that day um this morning ruin not just my my hour or two that I had but you know the workout and I got the work done and I put the work in but there was something about it where you're just when you're operating in complete joy so much more gets done um but on the tough days I think it's a I guess, essentially, and similar, similarly, what what we're talking about right now, taking stock in, looking back on it, pulling myself away from it, and seeing myself getting angry or frustrated or upset or um, annoyed, if you will, and say, "Hmm, I don't want to be that guy, right? And rest assured, for sure, I will be that guy again. You know, it's just, it's a part of life to wander like that, to... uh to have momentary lapses of, of equanimity and momentary lapses of, of composure is to be human. And you have to show yourself some grace. So I've already shown myself some grace and said, yeah, you, know, you take this thing pretty seriously, so it's okay to get upset every now and then. But how next time can you show up with your best foot forward? Secondly, um, I think starting your day on the right foot, even if I have a horrible day today, horrible the worst news the worst possible outcomes anger frustration annoyances feeling like things are crumbling the sun really will set tonight and it'll come back up again tomorrow and you will and I will and we will have a new day a new opportunity to move forward in a different direction and a lot of times that that starts with what do you do in the very beginning of your day and I've talked about this so many times and I keep feel like I'm Harping on it and beating the dead horse, but getting in your journal and writing down, even journaling even journaling about the day before unlocks the weight that you're feeling from it. Admitting that you had a bad day, admitting that A, B, and C didn't go right. They didn't go your way. And then you can write, how, how could I have dealt with these things differently? And then end it with, thank you for this. I am so thankful for everything else. So you end it with thanks and you end it with gratitude because a lot of times I think our tough days or even like I said, having a bad workout this morning, if I would have been able to stop, take myself out of it and say, Michael, be grateful for what you have. Be grateful that you have these two legs that you're walking on, jumping on, running on these two arms that you're lifting these weights with throwing medicine balls, um, around, um, You have this coach here who's watching you and seeing you have all of these things to be grateful for. So many things to be grateful for. If I could have just taken one minute out and focused on gratitude, it probably would have changed the trajectory of my entire workout, which would change the trajectory of my entire day. Um, So starting with gratitude, getting in the journal, as I said, I've already pulled this out. And like I said, I bought this off Amazon. This is not a, this is just, this is not a plug. Um, But the daily stoic is a, um, it's not called a devotional. But I guess the, um, I guess the definition of, uh, your traditional devotional has, you know, 365, um, readings for 365 days a year. As I said today, February 1st of the daily Stoic was about Marcus Aurelius and anger. I also read Jesus always, which is my, my Christian devotional. Um, so I start my morning by myself, by the fire before the sun comes up journaling, reading those two things, starting my day with gratitude and then ending my day with gratitude. So um, all in all, when you have tough days, realize that it, it is just that it's a tough day and we all have them and you are not unique. We all have tough days. We're all going to go through tough seasons and it's up to you. The Calvary isn't coming. They're not going to, they're not going to come and magically put some good day Sprinkle some good day fairy dust on you. It's up to you to change your mindset and really start with gratitude. And I would suggest not just saying them or thinking about them. I would suggest writing them down. Good question though. Um, Next one from Emily. Hi, Michael. I may be your first female caller. Connor, can we confirm that? Pretty sure. sure. Emily. Emily, the first female. I love it. Um, Hi, Michael. I may be your first female caller. I'm a longtime MMA fan and big fan of yourself. I particularly particularly like how eloquent you are. Uh, as I mess up the word particularly, <laughs> I particularly like how eloquent you are and what a quick wit you have. To this point you would likely be an excellent trash talker. If you get the fight with McGregor, could you see yourself being up for meeting his trash talk with your own and would you continue to steer away from going down that road? Or would you continue to steer going going down that road, steer away from going down that road? See you at the top, Emily. Um, Great question. Um, Getting a ton of questions inundated with messages. Hey, is it me? Are you fighting McGregor? Are you on the ultimate fighter? Um, Are you going to be coaching opposite connor on the ultimate fighter um we may know by the time this airs whether or not i am or not but i've thought about this talks have been happening um i am definitely in the running if you will and i have put myself in the house um in that filming of the ultimate fighter competing against connor as a coach and also getting in his presence getting up in his uh In his space, if you will, and us being stuck together, competing against each other, dealing with the animosity and the the tension that will be built. And I got to be honest with you, I think uh, I'm not only am I up for it and excited about it if it does happen, um, but I think it's going to bring something out of me that a lot of people haven't seen. And um, you know, just like me sparring in the Training sessions and at the gym is a lot different than me getting under the bright lights and then stepping my game up and rising to the level of the competition and rising to the the massive nature of the moment. I think being stuck in that filming scenario, competing against Connor is going to well something up in me and I'm going to want to beat him right away. I, I want my team. I want team Chandler to beat team McGregor, uh, for numerous reasons. Number one, cause I don't like to lose. Number two, um, I want to beat Connor at everything. Number three, I do think and know that Connor is great on the microphone. I think Connor is quick witted. He is smart. He is interesting because he's interested. He will definitely be doing his homework. He's smart. Um, he's funny. Uh, he's able to do those things. And I think I have all of those qualities. I just haven't shown them a ton because I've somewhat steered away from those kind of interactions, you know, but being stuck with a microphone on me attached to me at all times. There's going to be a lot of conversations. There's going to be a lot of tension. There's going to be a lot of competing. There's going to be a lot of verbal jousting, um, Different uh, gamesmanships being happen or different gamesmanship happening, um, you know. When you say going down that road, I mean everybody, I think, knows at this point, And you see it with Connor too. Connor doesn't get personal a lot. He's gotten personal here and there, but for the most part, Connor Connor's uh, genius doesn't have to be, and you is very rarely going down the road of 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 bad form. So I think uh, I think Connor and I have a lot of respect for each other, but there is going there. Make no mistake about it, we both want to win, not just the Ultimate Fighter, but we want to win when we step into the octagon against each other. So it'll be a lot of fun. The stakes will be high. The tension will be high. And I believe um, I believe Connor will will underestimate me and my ability to uh, match him, tit for tat, wit for wit, word for word. Um, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be must-see TV building the tension for this huge fight that we would have if you know if we're on we're coached on the ultimate fighter, we will, you know, most assuredly fight by the, you know, in the end of the year. <clears throat> and it will be a lot of fun. Absolute blast. Not to mention the fact that I I get to go into my element of coaching these men or women. Um to go win the ultimate fighter and team Chandler wins. So, um, Emily, great question. And I do think, uh, I think at this point we are definitely in the running and I, uh, I sure hope that phone call comes in real soon. Next one from Parker. Hey Mike, hope you and your family are well. My question for you today is about excuses and holding yourself accountable. When I was younger, I struggled with making excuses as if to justify myself that I wasn't the issue or that I was just a victim of circumstances when in fact I fell victim to a weak mindset. I'm wondering how you've grown to stay honest with yourself and others about your shortcomings. How do you tell yourself you're enough while recognizing you have more to do to improve and create opportunity? See you at the top. Parker, what a great, great, great question. Great insight. And number one, let me just point out to you right now and to all of the listeners. As I said, I think on the first answer to the first question We have to take accountability. We have to admit where we're falling short. Do I think I'm great at a lot of things? Do I think I'm a decent guy? Do I think I'm an all right husband and an all right father? Do I think I'm kind of doing this whole thing that we call life pretty darn well? I do. But there's places that I need to get better. And if I don't admit those things, those things will never go from a disadvantage or a weakness to an advantage or a a strength. And I just want to point out to you, Parker, number one, I tip my hat to you for admitting right now, you said, when I was younger, I struggled with making excuses as if to justify myself that I wasn't the issue. So right here, Parker right now is admitting that he used to make excuses and that he was the issue. He would also, he would go on to say, or that I was just a victim of the circumstances when in fact I fell victim to a weak mindset. So kudos to you, Parker, and kudos to every single person that's listening right now who just had an epiphany and said, why am I continuing to blame others for my circumstances? One of my favorite books, if not my favorite book written by a man here on earth, James Allen, as a man thinketh, men are eager to change their circumstances, but they are unwilling to change themselves. And I'm paraphrasing so much of that book talks about, we, we think these circumstances are just happening to, the, to us as if it's just by chance or bad luck, when a lot of times it has everything to do with the way that we are thinking, the people and the places that we are surrounded by, and continuing in courses of actions that always lead to negative outcomes. So kudos to you Parker for admitting that, but the question is how I've grown to stay honest with myself. How do you how do you tell yourself you're enough while recognizing that you're that you have more to do? And I think that is it right there. You just said two very important things. Tell yourself that you're enough, but admit a.k.a. show yourself the grace that you're not perfect. Quick story, I came into the sport of mixed martial arts, came into the sport of mixed martial arts, 12-0. 9-0, seven first-round finishes. To say that I got used to winning and winning fast and winning dramatically was an understatement. Beat Eddie Alvarez, became the number one, sorry, number five lightweight in the world by most people's rankings. And immediately I put all this pressure on myself to be perfect. You're Michael Chandler, the number 5 guy in the world now. You're the Bellator world champion. You just beat Eddie Alvarez. You have to be perfect. If you lose this sparring session or if you lose this round, if you have a bad day, if your weight's a little bit off, if if you don't do great in this interview and you wish you would have said something else and you'd said the other thing, I started to find I started to say these self-deprecating things to myself because I was putting so much pressure on myself to be perfect. Hey Parker, hey everyone else, you will never be perfect. But you can be successful. You can make an impact. You're not gonna be perfect today in every single thing that you do, but today in and of itself as a whole can be a great day, can be a successful day in which you took ground between yourself and your goal, between yourself and the man or woman that you want to become. You're never gonna be perfect, so don't put that pressure on yourself. And admitting that you have places in your life, areas in your life that need improvement, Zig Ziglar, when he came out with his, uh, I think he called it a performance planner. Uh, I'd have to ask my mentor, Chris Patterson, but the performance planner, there was a, there was a big circular graph. And for those of you who aren't watching right now, there's a circular graph in which there's a, a one through 10 leading out to all these different areas of my life, my, my career, my family, my spiritual life, my health, my my happiness or my mindset and all these different things. And it, and ideally they're all tens and it's into this nice big circle, but let's be honest in different seasons of our life, you could be feeling like you're an eight on one and a two on the other. And before you know it, this big circle kind of looks like a weird star slash pentagon slash octagon. And it seems as though things are out of whack, but showing yourself the grace, knowing that different seasons are for different reasons. Maybe this season right now is for me to really pour into my family, which means maybe my fitness struggles a little bit. Maybe my career struggles a little bit. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be a perfect circle. You're never going to be a 10 and firing all cylinders in every single area of your life that is important to you. So showing yourself the grace <clears throat> every single day and admitting that you've got work to do. And the best thing to do, as I've said numerous times, is to write these things down, make a list of I, Parker, or I, Michael, am very good or I'm very happy with these areas of my life. But these over here need a little bit of help. What can I do? Who can I surround myself with? Who can I ask? What actions can I take to take this area of my life from a two to a four And call that a win. Don't say, well, it's only a four. I'm not feeling great about it. I want to feel exponentially happy and fulfilled by it. Sometimes seasons were meant to mold you into who you need to become. As I've said, I've gone through so many different seasons of my life where I felt not great. Matter of fact, downright not good at all downright self-esteem a lot lower than y'all think it would be confidence in my abilities a lot lower than y'all think they would be confidence in my fitness or even my marriage me as a father all of these different areas but to wander and to be insufficient at times in those areas is to be human and if we could show ourselves the grace that we so eagerly and so easily extend to others, we will be in a lot better position. So Parker, number one, I would like to commend you for admitting that you used to make excuses and you probably still do. Let's be honest, we all do. To make excuses is to be human. And when you do, fix them, slap yourself on the wrist, put a smile on your face and show yourself some grace. And also falling victim to the circumstances that you tell yourself um, you fell victim to, but really it was a weak mindset. Win the battle between your ears. You are what you are and you are where you are because of what has gone into your mind and what you continue to have and think about in your mind. Circumstances in our life very rarely are just bad luck. A lot of times it has to do with us creating them and even if I'm completely wrong about that, and even if James Allen is completely wrong about that, wouldn't you rather err on the side of accountability instead of err on the side of blaming? So ask yourself that. <clears throat> thank you very much, Parker. I appreciate it. Next one from Aiden. Hey, Michael, first of all, I have to say thank you for being a des- being a desperately needed masculine role model to young men. Thank you, Aiden. I appreciate that. There are many men with the bravery and discipline to become a fighter, but a great deal less who also publicly portray respect, kindness, open-heartedness, and sage wisdom. In particular, it is crucial, I think, for people to lower the facade of being Superman and be and be honest and transparent about the self-doubts we all face on a daily basis. Because only when the facade is lowered can we begin to truly connect with one another as individuals. This leads me to my question. Have you ever found that you have had that you had to essentially brainwash yourself to view yourself as successful when we're, when you were not. One of my favorite quotes is, we become what we think about, spoken by Earl, Earl Nightingale. For example, I always viewed myself as being bad at math through middle school all the way up to the point I failed calculus in university. I then quite literally brainwashed myself into believing I was good at math. Sounds insane, I know. And upon retaking the class, I earned a 95%. This fundamentally changed the way I I view what we can and cannot achieve and was by far the most important thing I learned in university. So at any point in my life or career, so at any point in life or your career, at the beginning or perhaps when you were on almost the two-year losing streak, did you have to brainwash yourself to view yourself as a great fighter in order to become a great fighter? And do you find that as a fighter, you have a disassociate, have to disassociate from the outcome in a way for losing to not wreak havoc on your mentality? I love the podcast. I look forward to seeing the community you will create with this level of wisdom and transparency. All the best in your present and future endeavors. See you at the top, Aiden. Aiden, I hope you're listening right now or you do listen to this because you are one enlightened individual and I appreciate your, I think, epiphany that you had because you found it. Every single key to every locked door and every single layer of your human existence, Aiden, and everyone listening right now, has to do with how you view yourself and how you can view yourself doing the things that you want to do, having the things that you want to have, and being who you want to be and doing the things that make you feel alive. As he said, he brought up the, he brought up his anecdotal um, experience that he failed calculus in university and then convinced himself brain. He used the word brainwashing. And to a lot of people that might sound, well, it's a little brainwashing. It sounds a little bit negative. It sounds a little bit crazy, or even sounds a little bit foo-foo, a little bit out there, but you can truly convince yourself of anything. You can convince yourself of the worst things in life and you can convince yourself of the most blissful, most happy, most amazing things in your life. The brain, your brain is the most remarkable thing that has ever been created. And the visions that you dwell upon, the visions that you see, the visions that you meditate on, the visions that most... that you can most readily grab and pull into your conscious, that you can see when I close my eyes, can I see who I want to be? Can I see the things that I want to do? Can I see the people that I want to be around? Can I see how that person feels, how he talks, the confidence that he has, the happiness and the joy and the contentment and the peace that he has? Can I see him? Because if you can see him for just a moment, you can see him for two moments and three moments and on and on and on and on. And the more you can meditate on, pray over, visualize, see, just as we do the reps in the gym, we do the curls to get bigger biceps, we do the squats to get bigger glutes, we do the pull-ups to get a bigger back. Those are all physical reps that we're doing in the gym that then results in bigger Muscles, stronger muscles, more capability. The more reps we can do inside of our mind, the bigger we can see our circumstances, our self, our future. We can literally write our own storybook inside of our head. And the likelihood of those things happening are not guaranteed. Listen to me, they are not guaranteed. But you are so much closer to them by having visualized them over and over and over again because it's been it's been shown in all kinds of different research and all kinds of different people who have studied this that and I'm quoting I'm I'm paraphrasing here um, and this may not be 100% science as I said I am not an expert at anything I only have anecdotal evidence of a small guy from a small town who was taught to do small things who somehow visualized himself and worked himself into the man that I am so I can't guarantee this but there are studies And research out there that shows the link between the brain, your human brain, Aiden, and everyone else listening, your human brain cannot tell the difference between a visualized rep or a visualized scenario and it actually happening. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that's foo-foo. Maybe it sounds like witchcraft. But wouldn't you want to err on the side of, hey, this might work. He brought up Earl Nightingale, or actually that was, that might've been the guy before. Someone brought up Earl Nightingale. Um, No, he brought up Earl Nightingale. As he said, one of my favorite quotes, we become what we think. Bob Proctor talks a lot about that. We are what we think. You know, in The Secret itself, um, there's a movie called The Secret. There was a lot of people who, um, a lot of people would say, hey, this is kind of, you know, Foo-foo magic doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it sounds too far out there, but the basic premise remains the same. If you can see it in your mind's eye over and over and over again, the likelihood of it happening, or you becoming that person drastically increases. So Aiden, using the word brainwash, I love it because I've seen it anecdotally happened in my life. And to those listening, if you haven't tried the art of visualizing, sitting down, writing it down, visualizing, closing your eyes, seeing the person that you want to become, what does he look like, talk like, act like, what is he feeling? How much joy is he operating with? How much success is he having? What kind of car does he drive? What kind of house does she live in? How much money is in her bank account? All those things that you hold near and dear to your heart, all those things you want to accomplish, if you can see them in your eye, in your mind's eye first, the likelihood of them happening are so much closer than if you aren't able to see them in your, in your mind's eye. So a great question. AKA, to sum it up, brainwash yourself into success. Great question though, Aiden. Thank you. You are an enlightened individual. Next one, from Nam. Hi, champ. You've told a lot of stories about your time as a wrestler at Mizzou. However, you rarely talk about your academics, your grades, and your degree. Would you mind sharing your experience as a student at the University of Missouri? Thank you. See you at the top. What's up, Nam? I appreciate the question. Um, I was a guy who definitely didn't get straight A's, but I got good grades. Um, got a C every now and then, um, but it was mostly B's every now and then an A. Um, I was fully dedicating myself to the sport of wrestling, um, trying to become a national champion. The demands of that were heavy and they were plenty. And the time commitment as, all, as well as the physical and mental drain that uh, that pursuit created was definitely high. But academics was important to me. Not necessarily because for any other reason besides it was the right thing to do. It really was. Now, do I think the D students who barely get a degree aren't going to be successful? Absolutely not. Gary v, Gary Vaynerchuk, for those of you who don't know, follow his stuff. He's awesome. He talks about being a D student all the time, and he is one of the, the most successful businessmen on the planet with, at this point, shoot, a 1,000 employees? Who knows? Across all of his different companies. And a lot of those are probably A and B students. Let's be honest. Um so having great grades doesn't necessarily guarantee or even, or even it being an indicator of your success in life, but what it does do is it shows that you have the follow through to do what you said you were going to do. When I went to college, there was only one route to take. It was called go to class and get the grades. Anything less than that was me knowing that I was selling myself short, knowing that I wasn't putting the effort in. And, and the other thing that we've talked about on this show numerous times is if you can't trust yourself to do the small things, how are you going to be able to trust yourself to do the large things, the big things, the things with high stakes, the things under the bright lights? So if I don't go to class, if I don't get good grades when I know I can, it's not that hard. Guys, it's really not that hard. If you're in college right now, Um, for the most part, if you do the work, you're going to get good grades. If you show up, you listen, you're going to get decent grades. You're going to get passing grades. And if you can't, you can get a tutor. If you can't do that, you can join a study group. There's options. There's things that you can do. It was the contractual obligation that I made to myself when I signed the admission papers and I went to college. And going back to the trust factor, if I couldn't trust myself to show up to class, go to class, listen at class, get decent grades when I knew that I could, I'm reinforcing to myself that I can't trust myself in that small thing, even though I knew it didn't matter. Maybe it was one class. Maybe I had all B's and A's, and so I knew my grades were going to be good. I can get that one D and still pass. But what does that do if I know I could have gotten better than a D? Better than a D? What does it do to my psyche? What does it do to my self-image? What, is it, what does it reinforce to me? It reinforces to me at a cellular level it, it reinforces that I can't be trusted in that small thing. So when it was time to put on the black and gold singlet and go out there in front of a couple thousand people at the Hearn Center or at these big tournaments or going to wrestle in Oklahoma State or Iowa, Penn State, one of these big schools, how am I gonna step on the mat and look across the mat at this guy And be able to trust myself under that bright light and that great opportunity when I know I can't, I want to be able to trust myself in the big thing, but there was this little thing inside me that said, well, but you can't trust yourself in that little small thing. And that's why I harp on and beat this dead horse all the time. That is the small things in life done with excellence that lead up to the big breakthroughs in your life. We think, oh, this little aspect of my life doesn't really matter that much. You know, if I leave my laundry in the corner of my room for three weeks, it's not going to affect my grades or it's not going to affect my performance or it's not going to affect this relationship, my girlfriend or my wife or my husband or my boyfriend. They're they're okay with that. It doesn't matter. They still love me. But what you're doing is taking chips at your self-love without knowing it. And I use the, the laundry in the corner of the room because that's just kind of an easy, arbitrary, low-hanging fruit example of these small things that we can do with excellence That's that we plant our flag in the ground and say, I can trust myself in this. I'm going to get this small thing done. It's going to lead to more self-image, more happiness, joy, peace, and contentment because I know by doing the small things, I can then be trusted with the big things. So, Nam. Asking about academics, that were that was my grades, B's and, and A every now and then. And as far as my experience as a student, I missed out on a lot of what I missed out on a lot of what a lot of people would call the college experience. I was wrestling 12 months a year, essentially, but I was in season basically nine months out of the year. Um, came in as the lowest guy on the totem pole, so I had a lot of work to do. Had a lot of catching up to do. I knew that I needed, you know, if that was going, coming with these, coming into a freshman class in 2004, it was with all these state champions. We're talking state champ from the state of Pennsylvania, state champion from the state of Illinois, state champion from the state of California, state champ from a couple, actually the guy who beat me in the state finals from Missouri was on the team who ended up um, leaving the team later. But all of these different guys were state champions from all these much better wrestling states than Missouri. So not only was I not a state champion, but I wasn't even a state champion in probably one of the lower tiers of the states when it comes to level of difficulty um, coming into the freshman class. So to say I was overlooked and to say I had some catching up to do was an understatement. So I didn't engage in a lot of the things that a lot of the other guys did to go get the college experience. And you guys can use your imagination there. Um, I still went to parties and hung out and you know stayed up late. Here and there, but for the most part, I was really, really dedicated to the sport of mixed martial art. Or sorry, the sport of wrestling. I was absolutely in love with the sport of wrestling. And I wanted to be a national champion. It was a long shot. daggum being a being a starter was a long shot, let alone being an all American, let alone being a national champion. But that was the goal. Going back to Aiden's um question about brainwashing yourself. I wish I would have known the power of visualization. I wish I would have known the, the power of realizing that I, I have complete control over my self-esteem and my self-image. It took a decade for that to really get reverse engineered and, and backtracked into me finally believing in myself. And I underperformed a big time. So, um, so that was somewhat of my experience as a student at the University of Missouri. Two practices a day, five days a week, Work out on Saturday morning, skip out on a lot of the things that people wanted to do because uh, I wanted to focus on the things that I needed to do. Good question, though, Nam. Next question Alex, 28 years old from Buffalo, New York. Hope you're staying warm up there in Buffalo, my friend. Alex says, About to become a father, about to become a father or two myself. Any advice, books, tips, or being the best father and husband on? being the best father and husband possible or how to maximize your limited time. Great question, Alex. Goodness gracious. Becoming a father is the most beautiful thing in the entire world, but it comes with its challenges. (laughs) It comes with, um, you know, you start out as a, as a, you know, Alex start out as a single guy and you find the girl and then, uh, comes, then comes along a kid or two, as you said, um, and things definitely shift. It's no longer just about you. And then it's no longer just about you and your wife. And you guys can just go do whatever you want, whenever you want. And uh, then comes the kiddos. And then it's a beautiful dance between serving them, knowing that, that you are Superman in their eyes, knowing that you have such a great, great opportunity to turn these children, little boy, little girl, into a happy and healthy and fulfilled human being. You are in charge of that. I think too often we think, oh, well, it's just, you know, we just have a kid and it's like, well, as long as they're safe and there's a roof over their head and they got food on the table, they're going to be fine. No, it's not always true. They're going to stay alive. They're going to be alive if they have food and water and a roof over their head and a warm blanket to sleep with, sleep with at night. But ultimately, are you cultivating an environment that makes them thrive? Are you cultivating an environment mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, that is going to make them thrive? I actually, uh, um, my wife Bree showed me this thing the other day and I wish I had the quote in front of me, but it was, it was something that someone posted on Instagram and, you know we talk about um we talk about i would die for my kids you know i would take a bullet for them i would step out in front of a bus and i would i would die for them and the quote said something like we always talk about how we would die for them but would you live for them would you truly live for them that's kind of what i was alluding to we we say we would die for them, but are you truly living for them? I'm not saying you have to revolve your entire life around them because I do think if you give up your identity, you give up your goals, you give up your passions, you give up everything just to be their caregiver, you will most assuredly hit a wall and hit a level of resentment that is going to be very counterintuitive and very unhealthy. But we say we would die for them, but would you live for them? Would you Fail every single day because you will feel like a failure in some regard every single day. It's just going to happen. If you care at all, if you put any emphasis on being your son or daughter's hero, you're most assuredly going to feel as if though you fell short often. And that's what I was not prepared for. I was not prepared for even though I know I'm doing a great job, I do think I'm doing a great job. You still feel like a failure every now and then. You lay your head on the pillow at night and say, hmm, question about 15 different things. Could have done this more. Could have done this less. Could have been easier on them. Could have been a little bit softer in this area. Could have just put the, you know, put the phone down or I could have just put the book down or I could have just not taken that call. And I could have just sat there and played blocks or played magnet tiles or played with the cars or watch whatever they want to watch on TV or something like that. So as far as advice, number one, be ready for feeling like you're falling short, but just as you feel like you're falling short, remember to show yourself the grace. Remember that as long as you are putting your best foot forward, and just as we said, the sun will set tonight and it will rise again tomorrow, you get another opportunity. And I'm telling you this right now, we've had bad nights. My son, You know, and I'm mainly talking about my son, Hap, because he's you know, six and he's got, you know, his brain works differently now than our nine month old, he's still just a baby. So I'm really talking about half we've had some, you know, bad nights, it's going to happen. They're going to go to bed, you know, not feeling so good about this, or they wanted their way here, or they wanted a snack, but it wasn't time for a snack or all of the different thousand different little things that can happen when you, you have a, a toddler. And then now a, you know, a young man, six years old now, he can go to bed, go to bed, a little bit sad, a little bit angry, a little bit emotional. And I promise you every single morning he wakes up, Smile on his face. Happy as a clam. And you get another opportunity to be like, oh, these kids don't hold grudges. He's like a blank slate every single day. So just remember that too. The sun sets, they wake up the next day and you get another opportunity to, to right any wrongs, to even to overcompensate, to be over sweet, over patient, over loving. Just try to be consistent. Be consistent with your consequences. Be consistent with... Be consistent with your um, disciplining them, and stand firm because they need to be able to trust you that you're going to stick to your word, that you're going to um, not waver. Because, like you know, we we like to we like to think, well, shoot, I'll just give him what he wants, or I'll I'll let him slide here, I'll let him slide there, and and there is time for that also. But they have to be able to a trust you that you're going to be consistent, steadfast, and immovable. And number two, that your word means something. If you say you're going to do something or say you're not going to do something, make sure you try to stick to that as much as you can. And I've fallen short there. Trust me. Um, And also structure. They need structure. Although they act like, hey, I'm good. I want to do this on my own. I need that. I want to do this. I'm going to do that. They want the structure. They need someone overlooking them. And they revel in that because it shows them safety and security and they're going to test it and they're going to test the boundaries. Um, As far as books, I can be honest, I haven't read a lot of books about parenting. My wife does, and we kind of talk a lot about that stuff. Um, And that's, you know, some tips as well. So um, biggest thing, it's the most beautiful, amazing ride that you will ever be on. And it is the most fulfilling thing. And Alex, as a 28-year-old man, I'm sure you have... Wanted this and yearned for this, what I'm about to say, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners has have, have, take this into consideration and think about this. Alex, when he was growing up, me, when I was growing up playing GI Joes and Cowboys and Indians and watching Superman and Batman and all that kind of stuff, we wanted to be Superman. We want to be Superman. We want to be something strong and respected and... Competent and confident, and we want to be this being that commands respect and commands adoration and admiration. Remember, you get to be that to your children. My two sons think that I am Superman, they are so wrong, (laughs) they are so so wrong, but to them, I am Superman. So I get the opportunity to play that role and be that role in my life. And there's not very many areas of life that you'll ever be able to accomplish or reach for or strive to be Superman or feel like Superman. But remember, your kids look at you like Superman. So you get that opportunity every single day to prove them right. Alex, best of luck, Godspeed, and God bless. Next one from Amrit. Hey, Michael, I wanna know how you prepare against someone with strong ground game, wrestling, et cetera example, Khabib style. If you are a stand-up fighter, should you train your wrestling, et cetera, or focus on your takedown defense? Kind regards, Amrit. Uh, good question. Um, you know, someone who is a hundred percent dominant on the ground, like a Khabib or like many other guys, I mean, Islam is, is that kind of guy. Um, who else? I mean, Chael Sonnen was like that back in the day. He, he was going to take you down. He was just going to get on top of you and ground and pound and control. Um, but if you're a stand-up fighter and let's say you're getting into mixed martial arts, your biggest kryptonite will be someone who has a very, very strong ground game. So should you train your wrestling or focus on your takedown defense? I would say first things first, takedown defense. The chances of you going up against a very seasoned wrestler or serious serious ground game fighter and you going out there and taking them down, the barrier to entry to get to that level of um, proficiency is going to be a lot harder or a lot further away than you just being able to stop takedowns. Case in point, Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo had immaculate takedown defense. Um, Then again, a guy like George St. Pierre was extremely well-rounded, never wrestled a day in his life until I think he started doing mixed martial arts then became one of the best wrestlers uh, in mixed martial arts at the time and beating... Division one wrestlers. Uh, But for you, Amrit, if you are a stand up fighter, definitely go take down defense in the open as well as on the cage. Focus on that, drill it nonstop, pick the best wrestler in the room and say, hey, you and me, we're going today. And go live, go after live, go after live, go because a lot of times it's feel, it's body awareness, it's body control. And most importantly, it's probably that wrestling cardio. So Amrit, great question, appreciate you. Next one from Daniel. My name is Daniel. My question revolves around balance. Aside from the stereotypical supportive wife and family, which I thankfully have, how do you balance doing the things you need to do to be top of your game? There are non-negotiables that you have and a lot of selfish time to perfect your craft. Despite the fortunate support I have, I still feel guilty dedicating such a large portion of my days to me. I still give back and have never heard my family complain. I would like a high, perform- I would like a high performance athlete's honest comments on how to balance passion and family. Thanks, Mike. Well, Daniel, um, number one, you said, I still give back and I have never heard a complaint from my family, which is a very, very good thing, which is indicative of you having a supportive wife, like you said. Having a supportive wife and family is extremely important, not just in you know mixed martial arts for me or um, whatever it may be for anyone else listening um, but just as I kind of answered earlier about the balance of life, that wheel of life, all the different areas that are important to us, and Daniel, of course, I don't know which are most important to you um, but you did allude to um you feeling. As though um, you have the support, but you still feel guilty dedicating such a large portion of your time in your days to yourself, and i would um I would think about being selfishly selfless I would think about. Being selfish, so that you can be selfless, we all have twenty four hours in a day. we all have the same amount of time each day to get the things done that we need to to check the 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 boxes off and to to serve the people and love the people that we need to serve and love um, so that doesn't change for everybody it's more just the planning and the mindset of it. You now, you mentioned guilt, I would be lying if i didn't say there's many times I've dealt with the guilt of me being out there, pursuing the dream, pursuing what I'm doing. But I do know that it it provides a great life for my family. And I know it's only a season. I know I go into a training camp and I come out of a training camp and I get to spend a lot of time with my family when I'm outside of a training camp. I know this career isn't going to last forever. I know there's a shelf life. I know eventually I'll lay those gloves off, take those gloves off and lay them in the center of the octagon eventually. And when that day comes, I want to be able to go to the back of Whatever arena I'm at, some locker room somewhere and look myself in the mirror and say, Michael, did you give everything that you possibly could with the talents that you were given? And were you given the keys, the abilities, the opportunities to really pursue it with your full heart? And I want to be able to answer that question honestly and truthfully and without regret. And I visualize that guy often. I see him in my mind often. I don't know what arena it is, but I know I, know I can see it. I don't know if I won or lost the fight, that last fight that I'm going to have, but I know I, I know I competed and I know it was the, the changing of the guard and, and the, the closing of the chapter to a new, in the opening of a new chapter and do a post-fight career. So the biggest thing I think is really taking stock in, looking at your life, looking at the areas where you probably could maybe make a little bit of change to serve your family a little bit more and also wax and wane and, and, and. Go all in and then and then go all out too, or come all out of the training, if you will, or come all out of the the dedication to your craft. It's okay to take a day off and just be dad or just be husband, or share those times with your family. You know, when I, I think it was great that my wife and I met each other a little bit later. I think I met her I met her when I was twenty seven, almost twenty eight years old, and we got married by the time we were thirty and had our first. Um, Child a, a couple of, or adopted half a couple of years later. Um, Because if I was younger, I think I wouldn't have been able to to deal with you know the the immaturity that I had back in the day. And it took me a while to try to really f- and, and it wasn't immaturity in the you know I could trust myself to do the right things and I could trust myself to to work hard and operate with integrity and all those things. But I but I really did. Put a lot of pressure on myself because I was really focused on just the task at hand. And I started to get better at, I can take a day off here. I can go on this vacation. I can go on this vacation without working out a day or two and things are going to be fine. Maybe there's people who agree or disagree with that. Um, but I think life is all about seasons and life is cyclical. Um, I've answered this question about balance a couple of times. And a lot of times I've said there is no such thing as a perfect balance. And I think admitting that there is no balance and this season of life that I'm in right now, what that balance looks like like is going to be different than the next season and what balance looks like in that season. So to compare every single season and the balance is there within um, is a fool's errand because depending on life circumstances, where you're at mentally, physically, spiritually, where your marriage is or where you're how many kids you have or the accomplishments that you have or how tight money is or how, how, uh, demanding your work is where you're at in your spiritual life, where you're at in your self-image, all of those things play a huge, huge role. Going back to James one, five, he who lacks wisdom, pray for it, ask for it. And the Lord, your God will give it abundantly. Pray for wisdom, ask for wisdom, admit that you need help trying to figure out the balance. Admit to your higher power that you need wisdom to find more balance. Admit to yourself that you need to do the work to find more balance. Write it down. What does balance look like to you, Daniel? What does balance, what does the perfect balance look like? And then make sure you acknowledge that guilt or that shame or that, that uh, falling short feeling that you have when it comes to your wife, your family, What does it look like? And then what are some ways that you can be better? Maybe you're doing a great job and maybe you're just a little too hard on yourself. That's a possibility too. I can tell you right now, the way my wife sees me or the way my kids see me is probably a lot higher than the way that I see myself. If if you sat my wife down and said, hey, how am I doing as a husband? One through 10, what is it? She's probably closer to 10. If you ask my kids, they'd probably be the same. But the way I see myself or the way that I see how well I'm doing in those areas, probably not that close to a 10. Sometimes the biggest enemy is our unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves as well. So Daniel, I number one, I appreciate you even writing this, admitting that you need to find more balance. James 1, 5, he who lacks wisdom, ask for it. Whether you're a Christian, whether you just believe in a higher power, whether you don't believe in any higher powers, whether you believe in the universe, All of those different entities or lack thereof, they do somehow, some way, reward those who admit that they need help. They ask for help. And doors are open. Clarity is gained. Fogginess goes away. But it starts with writing it down, admitting it, looking at it. So I hope that answers your question. Um, But remember, sometimes you do need to be Selfish to be selfless. Selfish in the things that you need to go out and accomplish, the dragons that you need to slay, the platform that you need to get to, the rung that you need to climb to. You need to have that selfish pursuit. Daniel, I believe John Eldridge's book is one of the greatest books of all time Wild at Heart. Every man needs a battle to fight, an adventure to have, and a beauty to win. And you take that battle to fight and the adventure to have away from him. Bad things happen because that's the way the man's soul was designed. So it's okay to be selfish in the pursuit of that battle to fight. It's okay to be selfish in that pursuit of the adventure to have. So then you can find that fulfillment to be able to come back and be selfless and content while you're with your kids or with your wife or serving in your community or doing whatever it is that you Want to do, or the people that you want to serve. So I think that's one thing I would really mull over. And for all all the listeners today, where in your life can you serve more, but also where in your life can you also show yourself some grace to really go out and pursue what you need to do? Because then and only then can you climb to where you want to climb, pursue what you need to pursue, have the battles that need that you need to fight the adventures that you need need to have in order to be a fulfilled human being to then be the best version of yourself to show up. I guess you could also ask yourself, I guess I could just dedicate my entire life to being a really, really great father or a really, really great husband and then neglect all the things that I really want to do, the battles that, that I want to fight, the adventures that I want to have, the things that I want to accomplish. How much would that eat at me and what kind of man would be going, coming home to or to my wife and my kids. Probably a subpar version of the man that you were created to be. So finding that balance is pretty much impossible. Show yourself the grace that even in this season, when even in a season or maybe this season right now that you feel unbalanced, show yourself the grace that things will get better. Things will work themselves out. You will mature, you will grow, you will get better in certain areas and you'll feel better in those areas. Thank you, Daniel, for that question. That does it for the questions today. Um, But getting a lot of questions about balance, mindset, self-image, dedication, getting to where you want to go, all of those things are tied back to that self-image. And I think a lot of of the practical things that we talk about on the show – things that I've anecdotally um, worked on to become better, gaining clarity through confidence, through routine, and keeping promises to myself. I've talked about that a lot. Keeping promises to yourself might be the most important thing that you can do day in and day out. If you say that you're gonna do something, see to it that it gets done. If you put something on your checklist, see to it that you try to, or at least try to check it off. You might fail, but make sure you try. Don't make, them, don't make them unattainable. Make sure they're realistic expectations. Don't put 200 things on your list of to-dos tomorrow, and you know you're only going to get through X amount of them. You're setting yourself up for failure. He who wants to be trusted with the big things must first be able to be trusted with the small things. So I will leave you with that. And um, I hope you all enjoyed the episode today. I hope that my words, um, hopefully I can well something up inside of you. Maybe I'll we'll help you all grow, make a change, add layers to your human, becoming a better version of yourself, becoming a version of yourself that you are meant to be. And as I said, I am no expert at anything. I'm just answering these questions um, randomly without any preparation. Um, But I appreciate you guys sending in the questions. If you do enjoy the content, if you do enjoy um, these episodes, make sure you send in your questions. If you want to get them answered, make sure you say anonymous. If you want the, it to be, remain anonymous, give us your name, give us where you're from and send in your questions to podcast at michaelchandler.com. This is another episode of Walk on Wisdom. God bless. I will see you at the top.